Hey, good morning, church. Hey, I just want to tell you all something. I'm going to let you all in on a little bit of this side of, of my life. It is extremely awkward standing up here on this platform while there's a, a sermon bumper going. I just want to put that out there. And I guess next week we'll have to get uh, Rachel to do like a little dance or something. I feel like that's what I really missed out on today is... Uh, is I should have danced for y'all, I should have prepared something. So I apologize um, for those of y'all that had to sit here and watch me just stand awkwardly um, for our two-minute sermon bumper. You know, um, here, here's, uh, again, just kind of a little insight. This has nothing to do with my sermon. This is what happens when you have the anointing of caffeine. Amen. Um, Johnny, Johnny's a good friend of mine, and listen, I'm, I'm, you can tell by my physique that I'm really healthy. And why are you laughing? Really? Wow. I'm going to talk to you online because I can't hear if you laugh. Okay? So it's my, it, it, my physique. I'm healthy. And, and Johnny comes up in here and he's like, bro, I bet your pastor has some five-hour energy drinks <laughs> hidden around. And so anyway, Pastor Josh, he broke into your office. And um, I'll fix the door because I told him it was unlocked. But... He, <laughs> Anyway, and so we got five-hour energy, amen, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good morning, right? Because I'm already hyper. You see me up here shaking. That's why I'm going to keep my hands in my pockets, you know, you know, amen. Um, do what now? What what'd she do to me? Yeah, dude, listen, listen, until something becomes like a sin to eat barbecue, um, hey, how many of y'all are enjoying this changed message series? Yeah? Yeah, amen, amen. Man, I am so glad y'all clapped and said something because wouldn't it have been awkward if I was like, how many of y'all enjoyed this series? And it was like, cricket, cricket. You, you know, um, I was telling Rachel, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open with that. And she's like, well, what if nobody claps? I'm like, I don't care, I didn't preach it. You know, it's, uh, this is my first message in this series. It's not, this is my shindig, right? <laughs> Pastor Josh, we love you, man. I hope y'all are having a relaxing vacation. Listen, I even heard this morning that they got rid of their kids for a part of this vacation. I'm just wondering how you get about that life. You know what I mean? Um, so for those of y'all that don't know, I have two small kids and you can see all the gray hairs. I'm only 22. You know what I mean? And so you can see what having kids does to you. Man, I've got a word for us today. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. We're going to have some fun this morning. If you would, go with me to Galatians chapter 6 and just kind of camp out there for a second. Um, before we get started, I got to ask you all one more thing. Please pray for me. <clears throat> pray for me. And this is, this is for real. I need prayer. Pa uh, Pastor Johnny, you, you, you can fill me on this. Um, my wife and my mom got together for Father's Day and my birthday. You know, they're right there together. I kind of think I got, I got kind of, yeah, right? You know, it, it's kind of it, cheap because they don't have to buy me one and then another one. They just get to come together and buy me one present. And so, you know, whatever. I try not to get mad, but, you know, Jesus is still working in me. Anyway, they got together this week, or this week. <laughs> they got together this year and they bought me a smoker, right? And I'm not... I'm not talking about somebody who's been smoking for like 100 years. Pastor joke, right? Um, she got me like this wood pellet smoker. It's got like a computer in it. It's got meat thermometers and probes and all this stuff. It's just beautiful. It brought a tear to my eyes as I was putting it together. And, and so, I've, of course, you know that I love barbecue. And I have put this thing to good use. But I found out... This week, guys, and this is absolutely heartbreaking, please pray for me. I have an allergy to barbecue, an allergy to barbecue. And here's how I know, every time I eat barbecue, I just swell up. And it's not going away. <laughs> and so I was telling Rachel, I'm like, it's not that I'm putting on all that weight I lost during, during uh, quarantine, which is weird, right? We lost weight during quarantine. I don't know how... How many of y'all, what, what quarantine did to y'all, but we lost weight. But then as soon as I got this smoker, I just started making up for lost time. Amen. And, and, and so just listen, just pray for me. Pray that my cholesterol, pray for my cholesterol. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Barbecue. All right. This guy's going off the rails. All right. Galatians chapter six. We're going we're gonna to go there. And 
before we go there, I want to tell y'all that I've started making my kids repeat to me certain instructions that I tell them to do, right? If, if you have kids, you know why we do this, but I've started telling them to repeat back the instructions that I give because I've started noticing that I'll tell them to go do something and they'll just kind of go off and do their own thing instead of doing the thing that I asked them to do. And, and, and so the other night I told Lila to go do something, right? And, and I don't remember exactly what it is, but I can tell you that it probably had something to do with putting your clothes on, right? I could just tell you that 90% of raising my beautiful three-year-old daughter is telling her she cannot be naked, right? It's, it's keeping her clothed. And I'm telling you, it is a struggle to keep that girl clothed. She will, she will literally be like the humidity change. And she is naked, walk around the house naked. If she has to go to the bathroom, she's one of those people. It's like, I got to go to the bathroom, you know? And it's like, you don't, you don't need all that. You don't need all that. Okay, um, or if she spills like a little bit of Coke, she, she has this habit of coming up and she'll drink my Coke. And uh, what? Is that a, was that a judgment? Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Um, so she'll come up and she'll take a drink of my Coke, but then she'll talk while she's drinking and just a little drop of get right here. And she'll go, <gasps> and I'm like, what? I'm like, what happened? What happened? Uh, okay, so it was probably something to do with putting your clothes on. Or this morning, I told Judah, I said, Judah, take Lila to mommy and let mommy take her to do this. Well, instead of doing that, Judah locks Lila in a room and runs and gets Rachel, but then he forgets what he's supposed to tell Rachel. And I'm like, this is why I, repeat, I make you repeat stuff. Right? Because what they do is they kind of do their own thing. I'll, I'll say something to them and they will do their own thing. And honestly, uh, I, I, was start, I, I started noticing that when they repeat the instructions back to me, they, they, they get it, right? They, they tend to grasp things better. That, that repetition helps them grasp things better. And honestly, I think it's safe to say we're probably all like that a little bit. I know I'm like that. Um, most people that I meet are like that. The more, the more they say something or the more that you tell them something, the better grasp that they will start to get on it. And, and, and see, that's the power of repetition, right? Repeating something reinforces it and clarifies what has been communicated. So if you're taking notes this morning, the, the title of my message is going to be called Sending in Reinforcements. Sending in Reinforcements. So that's what Paul is doing. Paul is the author of Galatians. We've, we've been learning about Paul and kind of his life. And so today we're going to, to look at something that he told one of his churches. And the reason why I wanted to go here is because uh, I think it was last year I did a, kind of a message series on the book of Galatians. And I always thought there was a little bit more that I could mine out of it. And so it, I had the opportunity to do this. And we're just going to put a, a nice little period on that. Amen. And so uh, Paul, at the end of this book, he's, he's bringing in the repetition. He's bringing in the reinforcements. He, he doesn't ask the Galatians to repeat back to him what he's written. What he does is he, he reinstates it. He reinforces key truths that he's been communicating throughout the book of Galatians. And here it is. We're all trusting something for salvation, right? We're all trusting for something and salvation. And here's, here's kind of two easy groups that we can put that in is one, it's what we can do to save ourselves or it's what Christ has done for us. We, we're all trusting in something. And it's easy to know where you're at in this and who you're trusting because here's, here's the thing. What you trust in, you're going to boast in. What you trust in, you're going to boast in. Now, this is the main idea of today's message. So if you get these words and just kind of let them go through your spirit and let the season this message, I think we're going to get a lot out of it. And don't miss this. If you're that person who's constantly working to save yourself, 
right? They're, they're trusting in the things that you can do, trusting in the things that, that is in your power, whether it be religious efforts or worldly pursuits or, or, or just kind of pick your poison. We are going to know about it and the people around you are going to know about it because that's the thing that you're going to boast in. On the other hand, if you're that person that trusts what Christ has done for you, then everybody around you is going to know that too, right? They're going to know that the only thing you boast in is him, his power, his presence, his, his power to deliver you from sin, to, to save you, and you're going to talk about what he's sacrificed and what he's done on your behalf. That is amazing. That's what you're going to boast in, right? And so we're going to talk about this today. Uh, again, we're trusting for something for our salvation, going to be what you can do or what Christ has done. In, uh, in Galatians chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 11. Paul writes, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Let's give it up for some large print Bibles. Amen? Right? Right? Some large print Bibles. Now, Paul, Paul starts this out and, and he's talking about, look, at what large letters I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want you to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that the religious spirits never seem to be able to keep the religious spirit up themselves? Um... Keep the whole, y'all got to stop, y'all got to stop. All right, they only want you to be circumcised so that they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. We're going to stop there and we're going to talk about that for a couple of minutes. So Paul is, is at this point in the letter, let me, let me kind of tell you how Paul writes his letters. Up until this point, he has been dictating to a scribe right? Does everybody kind of get what that means? In other words, he is talking to an assistant who is writing down his words. And Paul basically, like, this is how he wrote his letters, right? He, he talked to a scribe. The scribe would write down what he said. And then at the end, he would take his, his pen or, or, or whatever you would, and he would sign it, and, and he would put his name on it. And that's how he would send it out. Well, here in Galatians, which is actually the first letter that Paul writes. Listen, he takes the pen prematurely and he writes a paragraph on his own. And I just love that visual because, because I, as a, as a pastor, I know there's certain things that I could say in my message that I'm like, man, that's good, but that's filler, right? But there's some stuff in, in, in messages that, you know, you'll notice I'll be like, hey, lean in or hey, make sure you get this. And it's because this is important. This is the thing that I want you to grasp out of all of this. We'll put it up on the, on the screen and stuff like that. Well, this is Paul saying, hey, this is what I'm doing right here. This is so important that I think they need to hear this from me. They need to see that this is me for sure saying that. And he starts writing in really large letters. Now, uh, a lot of people believe that, that Paul was, uh, he, he kind of had a hard time seeing, and that's why he wrote in these big letters. But can I just tell you that many uh, Bible commentators and scholars and stuff like that believe that this was actually for emphasis. And I believe that too, because if you look at the context of, of this whole letter, you look at the context of what he's saying here, I believe that he's trying to emphasize something. He's trying to say, hey, listen up. This next part's important. This is coming from me. This would be like when somebody writes in all caps during a text, right? Right? Or, or on social media. And, and listen, I'm just going to set you free right now. If, if you just type in all caps all the time, stop yelling. You know what I mean? Stop yelling, right? But, but th this is what he's doing. He's saying, listen, I want you to pay attention to here. So my question is, what would make Paul get so fired up that he, he takes the pen and he says, you know what, they need to hear this next part from me. The answer is pretty clear right here. He's emphasizing the truth that we just talked about, that we're all trusting in something for our salvation and what you trust in, you boast in. And here's where he makes his point. Paul starts by once again calling out this group of people called Judaizers. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It don't matter. 
right? It just don't matter. Um, that's who he's referring to here in the text. Now, these are false teachers. These are, these are people that's coming into the, the Galatian church, the, the, which, by the way, is a church that Paul started, right? So Paul, Paul definitely wants these people to, to not be in his church causing issues, right? And they were coming to these churches. They were preaching a false gospel. They were telling people that if you want to be saved, that you had to be circumcised. Now, if you're in this place and maybe, maybe you, you haven't been in church a long time or maybe, you know, whatever, if you don't know what circumcised is, listen, email Pastor Josh. <laughs> email Pastor Josh or Facebook message him. It's okay. He loves getting these type of questions. Just do that. He'll explain it. We don't have time to do it today. I got a clock, so we're going to not dive in that today text Pastor Josh. Make sure you do it while he's on vacation. That way he has plenty of time to get back to you. Amen? So, you need to be circumcised. If you want to be saved, you had to follow Old Testament law. If you want God to love, God to accept you, to count you as righteous, you have to accept the law. And in doing this, what they're basically saying is what Christ has done is not enough right? There's, there's some things that you're going to need to do to help him out. Um, the thing is, is the only reason that they were preaching this kind of stuff is to avoid persecution for the cross themselves. They didn't want to bring attention to themselves for preaching the cross. And they knew that this was, this was safe. Well, we could always just say, no, we're, we're converting them to the law right? They wanted to avoid persecution. And I'm not sure if you know this, but preaching the cross of Christ will sometime lead to persecution. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're expecting some super easy all of the time, just in our world, whenever you talk about the cross of Christ, listen, it's offensive and it's going to cause persecution and here's why number one it's highly offensive because it forces us to come to grips with our sin with our with our weakness with our depravity and with our inability to save ourselves so right off the bat the cross of Christ is offensive especially when when that heart hasn't been softened it's it's offensive and it demands that we come off the throne of our own life and we submit our lives to to Jesus right and everybody I can just listen I could just tell you as a pastor that's easier said than done in, in our own selfish will and our own selfish power we want to hold on to that because as long as we have control you know listen listen it, it, you may fail, you may do all this stuff, but there's something knowing that when you have control, but can I tell you that, that it's, it's weird to say that you're more free when you give up control. And this isn't in my notes, this is for somebody. I just want to tell you, when you are in control of your own life, man, there's just some sort of thing that it, it just subconsciously gets in us and it makes us, makes us crazy with chaos and, and lack of peace, but it also is the hardest thing for us to give up because as long as if it's me that fails in my flesh, if it's me that fails in my power, then it's me. And I believe that so many of us are walking around with scared to let go of that truth because we're scared that he's going to let us down like we've let ourselves down. And can I just tell you, that's not the case. That's not the case. There is some freedom in coming off that throne of your life and giving it up because then, listen, something messes up, you just look at God and just be like, that was you. That was you, homie. <laughs> you know, there's some, there's some peace in knowing that. There's some peace in not having control. Secondly, the cross of Christ is exclusive. Woo! That is a bad word in our culture today. Exclusive. Like, I wanted to look up the definition for exclusive, and Google was like, nah. No, we're trying to weed that word out. Amen? Exclusive. As Christians, we don't promote, or we don't believe what the world promotes. And, and, and listen to me here. When I say exclusive, I'm not saying that the cross of Christ is only for certain people because the cross 
of Christ is for everybody. Listen, if you believe it's for you, you got to believe it's for everybody. You got to believe it's for everybody. I may not have been jacked up like some other people have been jacked up, but I can promise I was jacked up. And if I believe that the cross of Christ can cleanse me from the craziness that I was, then I have to believe that he and his power and his grace is strong enough to save anybody. It's exclusive. We don't believe what the world teaches about how there's many ways to get to Jesus. There's, you know, uh, oftentimes you'll hear, hey, pick a road that's good for you and stay on it. Destination's the same, especially over like the last, uh, ah, man, probably the last decade. You know, as you get older, you start to just, like you'll say something like the other day and you'll realize it was 15 years ago. Johnny was talking about a song this morning. I'm like, dang, it was like, it was a long time ago when they came out with this song. And I remember when the album was released and, and stuff like that. So it's probably been a lot longer than I feel like it has. But it, it, it does seem like recently there's been a big push in mental health, which praise God because anxiety and depression and all that stuff is real and God can deliver you from it, but we cannot ignore it. Amen. And so I'm glad for that push because there is a push towards mental health. The, the problem is, is a lot of the times it's just push like, hey, find something that works for you and ride that bad boy out. But we believe as Christians that there's one way, one path, one savior, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. So when you run out in the world and you start preaching the cross of Jesus, you, when you go out and you're like, hey, Everybody, I just want you to know, listen, don't worry about it because I was too, but you're a sinner. You know, right? Don't worry about it because I was too, but you're a sinner. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. There, there's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. There's, there's no hope, but let me tell you, you have somebody that has decided to come and do it for you, and that his name is Jesus. Furthermore, that the only option to get to that place is through Jesus, right, right? When you start proclaiming that message, it doesn't matter how much love you sprinkle into it and how much good-heartedness you have sprinkled through it. At some point, you're going to take a shot for it. some point, you're going to take a shot for it. That's what they're trying to miss out on. They're trying to miss out on the persecution, which I might add, and don't, don't, don't miss this. This is why it's important for us as Christians to care more about honoring God and loving people than it is to care uh, or than it is to avoid pain and discomfort. Now, I know that's not easy to hear. It's quiet. I think Brenda was like, amen. <laughs> Brenda, Brenda, Brenda was like, I don't, I'm going to amen him because I don't want him to call us out. But, you know, um, but listen, if, if your goal is to miss pain and discomfort you will never share the gospel to people that need it what you'll be good at is just coming to church because there's not a lot of pain and discomfort in admitting something yourself <laughs> especially when we've got the presence of God in here that softened us up and if if your goal is to avoid pain and discomfort you're always going to avoid preaching the gospel to people that need it, right? Because preaching the gospel involves discomfort. It may not always involve pain, but I can tell you it's going to be involved dis just discomfort. It's going to involve that because sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it's odd to come up and just be like, have you, you know, have you ever just been trying to talk to somebody about God and you just don't find necessarily the right place or, or stuff, right? right? Because it's uncomfortable sometimes to, to bring that up. But I can tell you that if you never want to be uncomfortable, you'll never share the gospel. In fact, we excuse it away, right? Like we don't want to offend them or we don't want to make them mad. We don't want to lose their friendship, Right? I'm just going to kind of encourage them. We do that a lot, and I need you to hear me today. The most unloving thing you could ever do to somebody is not share the gospel when you know they're living in sin and they're heading towards an eternity apart from God. Yeah. An eternity, yeah, give God praise. 
We must care more about loving God, honoring God, and loving people than that. You hear me, church? The Judaizers' goal was to avoid discomfort, which led them to preach a false gospel. Led them to preach a false gospel. And so what's so ironic is, again, they weren't even living up to it themselves. These are people that believed, you know what? I don't need to get circumcised. Now, again, if you know what circumcision is, then you'll know that these guys were like, yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> these guys, of course they don't need it. Right? You're just wanting to, yeah, they're, 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 just, they're just saying this to the new believers. Right? And, and Paul says right here in verse 13, he's like, newsflash, right? Um, the people who are telling you to get circumcised and to keep the law, yeah, they're not even keeping it themselves. They're not even keeping it themselves because nobody can. That was the point. That was the point of Jesus. That was the point of the cross. And so why in the world were these men so adamant about these new believers following the law when they themselves could not? And Paul gives us the answer here. It's so they could boast about it. See, according to what Paul writes, the Judaizers wanted the Galatians to do what they were telling them to do. Now, they wanted to brag about it. They wanted to see if people would actually do it. And let me tell you, this, is, this would be like a pastor working really, really hard to persuade you to do certain things in your life that, that Christians normally would do, but then having no desire for heart change, no desire for the condition of your heart, no desire for you to change or for your soul to change. This is, this is like, I want you to have the outside appearance of everything so that you don't bring any unwanted attention to us. And, and we want you to do that so that we can boast in our power. We can boast in our numbers, you know? Like, like you may have heard this if you've been in church for a long time. Like, you have to be baptized to be saved. <laughs> right? Right? You have to be baptized to... to to be saved. So in doing so, they were adding conditions to salvation. And see, the cool part is, is, listen to me, Jesus didn't come to get rid of all this stuff. Jesus came to fulfill all this stuff. That's what we got to remember. Jesus didn't come to get rid of the law so that we don't have to follow it anymore. We don't have to follow it anymore because Jesus fulfilled the law. He is the sacrifice for all that sin. He was the yes that we needed. And I need you to understand that if you're a believer in this place, then the law has been fulfilled on your half. He came to fulfill and he's the only one that could Now, you could tell that this was ridiculous to Paul as it is to us, right? We read this and we're like, listen, if I go to church, listen, I'm just going to be honest with y'all. If I came here and Pastor Josh was like, hey, bro, you got to go get, you know, let's not say that word, you know, but uh, I'd be like, no, no, I don't. I'm going to go get a job somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? It, or or if, if we kept those rules like that, I want to tell you, when you start needing something to add to your salvation to try to earn it, start to, start to get a red flag. Start to question that. Yeah. Amen? Right? Um, so it sounds ridiculous to Paul. It sounds ridiculous to us. But this is what these Judaizers were doing. And what's so sad and what's so unfortunate is we live in a world today that still does the same thing. Right? Maybe there's... Maybe there's some of us today that, that we're running around and we're trying to earn our own salvation. We're trying to, th through our own words, we're trying to add to it. We're trying to fill. Ha have you ever found yourself doing something to just try to feel deserving of God's love? I think that's where a lot of people are. They're, they're not saying, hey, I need to do this because I was a sinner and, and God saved me. They're just saying, I need to be worthy of that sacrifice. And I can tell you today that Jesus has already said that you are worthy. Amen. And these people spend time boasting in it. They spend time boasting in what they do and what they're accomplishing. All 
for the outward appearance of impressing others to gain a greater self-worth, a greater confidence of, of who they are. And, and I found that when you need that, maybe you're not walking as close to God as you need to be, right? They're, they're not trusting in what Jesus has done for them. They were trusting in their own self-worth. And they're still trusting to, in what they can do to save themselves. That's what we're finding here. You, you know, if I could just get people to look at me, if I could just get people to notice me, if I could just get people to approve of me, then I will somehow be delivered from my despair and from my from my misery, dare I use that word, from my misery and from my despair, and it will provide lasting joy for me. But how many of y'all know that that's not the truth? That's not the truth. And what I love about Paul is the opposite was true with him. He didn't waste time with like people pleasing. He was not about it. He was not about that life. And look at what he says in, in verse 14. He says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. And then... He goes on in verse 16 to say, May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle, for they are the new people of God. We're going to break down that in just a minute, but I'm going to do some teaching here and, and kind of break apart this, right? So just, just lean in for a second. Paul stood on the, Christ, uh, the, the cross of Jesus Christ. The, he, he stood on that. He stood on that alone. He, he stood on that principle. He knew what that sacrifice meant for him. And, and, you know, we've learned throughout this series that Paul was like a perfect Jewish person. He was a religious person. He was the example. If you want to look up religious Pharisee, you can look up in probably Paul's pictures right there. This was who he was before Jesus got a hold of him. But after that, he realized that the sacrifice that Jesus gave for him radically changed him. I mean, not even the same dude, right? And this is a guy who knows all the law, who's learned all the law, who's tried his best to practice all the law, and he's saying, listen, don't worry about it. Jesus has given you everything to fulfill that law. And then he goes on to say, those of y'all that believe this, blessings to you. Um, he's explained all throughout this letter that he's turned it back to salvation, that the cross of Jesus Christ can set us free and it sets us free. If you're taking notes, let's get ready to write this down. It sets us free, number one, from the penalty of sin. Amen. It sets us free from the penalty of sin and the biblical term for this is justification. In the moment that you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God justifies you. He makes a declaration over your life that you're not guilty anymore, you're holy, you're clean, you're righteous, you're blameless in his sight. He forgives you of all past, present, and future sins, and he adopts you into his family as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. And it's all because of what he has done for you. Listen, that would be a good place to give God praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. So, he forgives you as soon as you accept him. The penalty, right? Now, then there's what's known as sanctification. Sanctification. After you've been justified, I love this. This is great. After you've been justified... God sent his spirit <laughs> to come and dwell with us. So, so like, like, listen, this is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the same spirit that rested upon Jesus when he was baptized. Like, this is his spirit. That's amazing to me. He sends his spirit to live with you and to work in you every day to make you more like Jesus. 
to make you more like Jesus. And this is called sanctification. Now, this is a, a process. Process is not a sexy word for us to hear. Process is not a cool word. You know, when you think of like, hey, what's some good, exciting buzzwords that we can make this thing sound good? Process is not it. Because process means that it's ongoing. It means that it's, it's something that happens continuously until it's over. <laughs> right? And, and so the sanctification process is he's constantly working, write this down, to give you power over your flesh and sin right to produce fruit in your life his fruit in your life so you've got he he sets you free from the penalty of sin and then he sets you free from the power of sin and then finally one day in the future god will free us from the presence of sin forever right right the presence of sin forever see the cross is freeing us from the presence of sin in, in our past and, and Jesus has, has wiped away those sins and his grace is there but one day we're going to be in a place where sin just won't exist anymore and that's called glorification and the scriptures are clear on this for believers in Jesus Christ we have a hope of knowing that one day in the future we're going to spend time with him face to face in a glorified body we're going to be made like him He'll return to the earth a second time and he'll, he'll establish his kingdom. We're going to receive a brand new, glorified, resurrected body. Come on, anybody that's over 30. Yes. Listen, listen, anybody that's not over 30, I remember before I, was, before I hit that age, I'm, I'm over, over 30 now. Um, I'm over 30 now. And uh, I just remember thinking, I'm like, at 29, I'm like, there's no way all that crap's going to happen in, like, just that short a time. Dude, I'm telling you, it's like when you become 30, your body's like, hey, for your birthday, I'm going to give you bad knees. <laughs> right? Right? Or I've got to give you something that pops every time. How many of y'all have that one thing that just pops all the time? Right? Right? The one thing. Rachel, Rachel's one thing, I always get cracked up because it's her hip. And she'll just be walking. She'll be, Ugh! <laughs> What happened to you? I walked off the box. I, everybody's online is like, uh, the church over? Right? I walked out of the box. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Um, but we all have that thing that pops, right? But we're going to have glorified, resurrected bodies, right? We're going to be able to have bodies that never suffers, never feels pain, never, never dies. Yeah, never gets sick. And the consequences will be no more from that day forward. And we'll experience life with Jesus the way it was meant to be. And my friends, all that is possible because of the cross of Jesus Christ and the cross alone. Because of that cross, Paul goes on to then say that I've been crucified of the world and the world has been crucified out of me that's that's great he's saying it's dead to me i'm I, i'm dead to it and if you're a believer the same thing's true but listen to me that don't mean we get weird and just hermit up in our house because that's not what paul did go study what paul did that joker was always everywhere he got shipwrecked listen i'm just gonna be honest with you the first time i get shipwrecked my missionary journey's over the, the very first time. And if y'all go on and read, read that story, he gets shipwrecked. Like, he gets bit by a viper. You know, listen, one of my favorite snakes in the world is a gaboon viper. You could Google it real quick if you want to. A gaboon viper. They have it, at, I call it a nope snake. It's this beautiful snake. Beautiful snake. I mean, the colors of it are so rich and deep. And it's got these, like, horns that come up on on its nose and it's like when you look at it you're like that joker would kill me you know what i mean um and he's uh, like he like all of them are guys did y'all know that all snakes are guys right he or she um they're like they're big they're they're fat and short and so they're just these beautiful snakes the coloration uh, are, are beautiful you ever forget where you're going with the point
Just give me a second. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, so um, I, was, I, I was sick about this snake and this, this gaboon viper. Yeah, I don't remember where I was going with it. Let's just go somewhere else. Um, so if you're, if <laughs> it happens. Hey, y'all edit this out of the online feed for me there. Okay? So if you're joining us, I'm human and I've had a lot of caffeine and I forgot what I was doing. Um, I, was, I started talking about a snake and I ADD'd. So... What? He got bit by a snake. Yeah, see, Rachel, I'm glad Rachel pays attention, right? Um, hey, y'all remember the, um, the, the thing that I got y'all, the slide that says, like, technical difficulties? If y'all could just throw, throw that up for a minute and just mute it. Um, no, so he got bit by a viper, and that's what I picture is this gaboon viper biting, you know, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, listen, if I ever get bit by a gaboon viper, I'm not even going to try to go to the hospital. I'm just going to sit down and go, like, go get me a barbecue sandwich and let me die. And Paul, Paul, Paul was just like, you know, he, he shook it off and, and just goes in the fire. He might have even ate that joker later, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm just telling y'all. I'm not a missionary after that. God's not called me home. I'm just going to tell y'all. That's where I was going. All right, let's kick all the rabbits off the stage, right? But the same thing is true for you. When you put your faith in Christ, um, you were making a decision to part ways with the world and their beliefs. And so let me tell you what some of this means practically. Practically, it means, number one, that we can no longer care what the world thinks of us because we're in Christ, amen? We're in Christ, and now we have the approval. Yes, we have the approval and acceptance of God, and it has nothing to do with what we do or what we don't do. It has everything to do with what Christ has done for us and that is good news for us now that means that you no longer need the praise and approval of people to have peace now I need us all to lean in right here because I don't know what it is but sometimes Christians get this uh, idea that okay when we gotta when we gotta be dead to the world we get to be jerks <laughs> and that does that's not what that means that doesn't mean that you get to to be rude right we know we all know we all know those people can we just be honest we we all know those people how many of y'all know those people that that they bulldoze people and then they blame it on god i i actually had a situation that just happened yesterday and i'm not gonna talk about it today because because it's uh it's somebody online Okay, okay, okay. Y'all talk. Y'all talk. Y'all talk me into it. Y'all talk me into it. So I actually uh, had. I was talking to somebody, ministering to them, and I actually had them tell me that it is unbiblical to pray, <laughs> because they said that it is selfish to pray because we are praying against the sovereign will of God on our selfish behalf. So, so listen, listen. Sometimes. That kind of stuff is going to be, that's going to happen. Those are, those are the type of people that, that railroad people and they blame it on God. And, and, and listen, we've, we've all met these people, right? As long as God thinks well of me, and I can just tell you, it doesn't always quite work like that. As Christ followers, we have a responsibility to be loving, kind, gracious, and compassionate to all people <laughs> to all people no matter who those people are and here's why because we follow a savior who was all those things we follow a savior who was compassionate who was gracious who was kind and loving and all this means is that when people think poorly of you as christians you can lay your head on your pillow and rest easy knowing that god thinks otherwise and there's peace in that Secondly, parting ways with the world means that as Christians, we don't need what the world has. We don't need the world to give us our identity because our identity is now in Christ. And because our joy and our contentment comes from Christ, we don't have to live chasing down all this other stuff in hopes of finding those things that a relationship with Jesus will fulfill. In fact, to do so is the very thing that Paul's warning about here. He's saying, he, he's saying uh, uh, don't trust in your own works, right? 
Don't trust in the fact that you come to church, you, you serve, you give money, and, and you're making money in your business and all that stuff. Those things are powerless to change you. Um, those things will not change what you feel in your heart. Those things will not make you content. Those things are powerless to make you a different person and, and powerless to set you free from your sin. No, what really matters is that you're becoming a cr new creation. And Paul talks about that, becoming a new creation, which is a supernatural task that only Jesus can perform in your life. And that's what makes Christianity so unique. So unique is because like the, the question to our faith is, is not what are we doing to get to God or, or who we view as God. It's the key question is how are you different because of Christ and because of God. See, if you know Christ today, your life should look different. It, if it doesn't look different, then I encourage you today to do, do some soul searching. Do some soul searching. If you're online and you're joining us today, uh, we're, we're talking about if your life doesn't look different, maybe it's time to start asking some questions and, and, and hear me now because if you belong to him, you should look different. You should act different. And being, being different doesn't mean that you're perfect, right? That's not what we're called to be. I don't believe that, that God's so much worried and the perfection as he is worried about the heart behind it. The heart behind what we do with our faith. See, there's this broken part in us called flesh that we're still being delivered from. It is a process, and in that process, we'll receive power to defeat the flesh, but we don't always do it, right? And, and, and so, listen, this flesh still draws us towards sin. It still calls us away from God from time to time, and we're going to struggle, and at times, we may blow it. Right? But, but there's, there's something that you should know that if you know Jesus, you should look different. Your life should be marked because he's given you new thoughts, new desires, new affections, new loves, new motivations. Right? And let's move on to, to verse 6. He causes you to, to love God and love people in ways you didn't know you could. Have you, have you ever been there? Like where you're just like, man, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I remember when I first met my son, I was like, I didn't know that I can love this little slimy alien so much. No, no. on a serious note, my, my son and my daughter were absolutely drop dead, just beautiful. And I know, I'm, I, I know I'm probably partial, but they were just beautiful. And I remember my heart just wanted to explode when, when they were born. But that's what I kind of think of, of loving people in ways that you didn't know that you could. And then... Verse 16, Paul says, May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. Right? Uh, they are the new people of God. Some translations say they are the new Israel of God. And, and I want to say something about that phrase really quick because Paul is not referring to ethnic Israel. He's not referring to just a people of, a, of a, a, an old faith. He's, he's referring to both Jewish and Gentile alike. And he's making a point that people of faith have been adopted by God. Now, Paul is making a reference here to their identity. And listen to me, church. Paul is saying peace and mercy to those people. All right, so if Paul's saying peace and mercy to those people, it would imply the contrary, right? Um, those people that are trying to save themselves, that's trying to earn their salvation through worldly pursuits, through religion, through whatever that is, then the opposite is going to be the case. Have you ever found your life characterized by like chaos and worry? You know, there's a, there's a lack of peace. There's a lack of joy. And so what Paul's saying is if you're that person, you're going to miss out on these things and over time you'll experience the the consequence of your sin and you'll start to feel that 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 distance between you and God and I would say to you today that if you're that person that's lacking peace that's lacking joy that's that's lacking that in your life who is struggling through life right now who is who is fighting and you feel like you're fighting all the time I believe that he is drawing you to him today I believe that he's speaking to you and he's saying, listen, 
you can't do this on your own. It's time to let go. It's time to surrender. And as I close today, Johnny, if you'll come on up and start to play. I love the fact that Johnny's here because Johnny can play keyboard, you know. I sit back there and I, I tinkle with the, with the keys and I look really good at it, you know. I'm like, but Johnny, he, he knows how to play the keys. He's going to play me off real quick. Um, I want to take you back to the text one last time and I want to show you how Paul ends this letter he says, from now on, don't let anyone trouble me <laughs> with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that now show I belong to Jesus. Here, here in that verse 17, Paul talks about these marks on his body. In the Greek, that word mark is actually the word stigma. It's where we get our English word for stigma. It's also where we get our English word for stigmata. And that, that, that word right there is used to, to show someone who has been given a mark. This isn't, this isn't, by, this isn't like a, a, a situation where it's saying this mark is something to be ashamed of. Listen, I, actually, stigma goes on a little bit deeper and it, it talks about the marks that slaves were given by their owners. And, and listen to me. Paul is saying that through Jesus, these scars have now become something that I don't have to be ashamed of, that I don't have to be held back from, that instead they mark me and they show others that I have been marked by Jesus. And, and isn't it just like Jesus to take something that the world would look at and go, oh, Mm. You know, I was thinking about people who self-harm. Maybe, maybe you know someone that's done that. Maybe you yourself have done it. Maybe you watch it online or, or maybe you'll listen to the podcast and maybe you self-harmed and those scars have become something that have held you back. And I want to tell you today that those scars can be something that marks you for something greater. Those scars can be something that says, hey, this is where I've been, but now I can stand proud knowing that I'm marked for Jesus. Now, the marks here that Paul's talking about, most Bible commentators believe that it, it, it came from his own persecutions. Now, Paul was beaten. He was, he was whipped he was stoned some of us online are like me too sorry pastor joke weed joke nobody got it because y'all are all holier than me um he's been shipwrecked so these scars were likely something left by persecution and here's what i want us to take from that is you may have physical scars And Jesus can use that to show that he's delivered you from something. But you know what? All the scars that we wear aren't always physical. They're not always physical. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus can turn that around too. Jesus is our healer. I thought it was so perfect during worship when, when Johnny was just talking about our healing and our healing and our healing. Because this is the kind of people that needed to hear that. The people that, that wear these scars and they haven't became a positive part of their identity yet. I believe, listen, I'm way off my notes. I believe this is for somebody today. You have those scars and I want to tell you that Jesus can redeem those scars. And for those of y'all that, that may not have the physical scars, you've been marked by God and something should look different on you because you've been marked by the fruit of the Spirit. You've been marked by love. You've been marked by joy, peace. You've been marked by patience. Come on, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. And listen, and self-control. Come on now. 
Those are all marks of Jesus that the Holy Spirit puts on the lives of believers as we walk in intimacy with him each day. And those marks start to take over the scars. They start to replace the pain with peace and they start to replace the, the fear with, with joy and they start to, to replace the longing with contentment. And I want to ask you today as, as we're closing, are those marks on you? Are those marks in your life? Can you show that you've been marked by God, that nobody can question your relationship with God because of the clear marks on me? If you can't just say yes to that, I got good news for you today. God has grace for you. And I love how Paul ends his letter in verse 18. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit. Amen. And he ends it. Okay. He, though they were going off the rails theologically, they were believing a false gospel. Even though they had drifted from their Savior, they thought that they were doing everything that they could do to save themselves. Paul wanted them to know, hey, you're not beyond the grace of God. And so as we wrap up today, this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to take away from this, that no, no matter how far you run, no matter, how, no matter how far you run away, no matter how crazy this stuff is in your life, no matter how much stuff is coming in, no matter how much pride and selfishness you fight with or has characterized your life up till now, God has grace for you. And his desire today is to remind you of that, is to remind you of that. I believe that there's someone here that's watching. Maybe you're in here. Maybe you'll hear it later. I believe that there's someone that needs to receive the grace today. And you know it. That's the cool thing. You know it. Because if you look at what you're boasting about, you can tell what you need. You can tell what you believe. You can tell what you trust. And so what I want to do right now is I want to help you with that. I want everyone in this place just bow your head and close your eyes this is just a a moment between you and god the cameras aren't checking you out the leaders aren't walking around making sure everybody's eyes are closed just just a private moment between between you and god and i just feel really impressed to speak to those believers that have that have drifted and trying to take hold of all the things that the world offers or all the things that 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 Jesus has already done for you and if that's you again you know it in this place I believe that God's been speaking to you in this place I believe that 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 God's been telling you hey hey listen to this part listen to this part when I asked the question are you, are you marked you couldn't say yes for sure and so if that if that's you you're a believer but man you just really hear what Paul's trying to say and you you know that God's grace is for you today will you just raise your hand and look up at me as soon as I see that hand thank you I see that hand thank you as soon as you look up you can look back down a couple more seconds if you're joining us online listen you can respond to this too you're part of this family, you're part of this house, you can respond to this too. So if you're at, if you're at home and you're feeling the same way, just, just respond to this moment. Now, what I want you guys to do that looked up at me and that, that may be online with us, listen, I just want you to start to pray. We don't have to do like any magic trick or anything. I just want you to start to pray and ask God because listen, you know what you need. You know that area. God's already put his finger on that area. I believe that God's already speaking to you about that area. And this is the good part about that. We can freely go to him and talk to him about it. So I just want you to pray 
I just want you to, to, to start to ask God to pour his grace over you today, to start to mark you. And that, that's what I want you to do for, for the rest of this time. Just pray. Just declare the things that you need to declare. Just accept the things that you need to accept. And then there's a second group of people that I always want to give an opportunity to. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, this is why we have church. Is, is so that people can experience God and find Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so I just want to talk to you. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Jeremy, I feel God is calling me. I feel like God is tugging on my heart. I've, I've heard what you said. I've heard what God's been speaking. And I want to respond by giving my life to Jesus. Listen, though, those of you that would want to do that, I want to tell you that it's, it's really simple. The Bible talks about we got to confess our sin, believe that the sacrifice he made set us free and declare him as Lord of our life. And so if that's you and you've never accepted Christ, I just want you to raise your hand and, and look up at me if you will. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Same, same with our online, our online family. Just if that's you, listen, let it all drop. Let it all drop. Any distractions that's happening right now, let it all drop away. Let it all drop away. For those of y'all today that have, have decided to follow Jesus, listen, I just want to encourage you because first of all, we're going to pray in just a second, I just want you to repeat a prayer after me. It's, it's not a prayer that's like written in the Bible. It's not a prayer that, that God's given us by, by like uh, his, his word necessarily as much as it is just a simple practical prayer that lets God know our heart because I believe that God is smart. I believe he's wise. I believe he's already calling us. And so it's just a simple response. And, and listen, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the heart behind the prayer but we're going to pray in just a couple of minutes but I want to tell you right now that as soon as you make that decision the Bible says that heaven throws a party heaven throws a party and I want to encourage you that one of the most powerful things about Jesus is he cares very much about you he doesn't just care about humanity he doesn't just care about the church as a whole he doesn't just care about pastors or like a special group of people he cares about you he cares enough about you to send a pastor today to talk to you he cares enough about you listen I've seen God stop services in church to speak to one person I've seen God speak to people that aren't even in the place I believe that he loves us wholeheartedly today and I believe he loves us fiercely. He loves us fiercely. Listen, if that's you, just repeat this prayer after me and everyone in the house, man, let's, let's back them up. Let's repeat it. Let's, let's let them feel welcomed into the family of God this morning. If you would, just repeat after me. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you I need your grace I need your power so I accept today what you've already done for me the sacrifice that brought me freedom this morning I repent of my sin and repentance means more than I'm sorry. Repentance means that I turn away. I may not always be perfect, but I declare you as Lord and Savior of my life.
Hey, can we give God praise for everybody that just prayed that right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Listen, thank you so much for letting me come up here and, and, and speak to y'all for this little bit of time that we've been here. I know we've, we've went a little long this morning, but man, I just feel like this is important. I feel like God's moving in our church. I feel like he's doing something powerful. And can I just tell you that whenever God starts to move in a church, he's going to move right here in the hearts of the people first because we've got to be ready to take it out. Amen. So I'm going to pray over you guys one more time and then you're dismissed this morning. You could go pick up your kids. I think I hear my kids screaming. You know, you could go pick up your kid or if you're, if you're still praying, you want some time, please feel free. We don't ever want to rush anybody out of the presence of God. We're not about that. Amen. So you stay here, you pray, you worship as long as you need to. But this is for everyone who feels like that God's done with them today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're calling us back. Those who, who ha have saying that we're drifting a little bit, God, that, that you can bring us back, that you can bring us to correction. You can bring us back home and you can mark us and you can let us walk with you. And Lord, I thank you for life transformation. I thank you for calling people that previously didn't know you to you today God and showing them your love and showing them your grace it's so powerful and now we pray Lord we all know that life doesn't stop when we make a decision for Christ it doesn't it doesn't magically just pull us out of everything bad that happens and and all the things going on but instead it gives us a way to go through it Lord and so I pray that for those people Lord I pray that you strengthen them. I pray that you, that you, that, that you go to them right now as they, they've drawn unto you, Lord. That's a promise of your presence, Lord. I pray that you go, Lord. You, you strengthen them and you show them. And Lord, you surround them with people that will walk with them and show them. Because we believe that nobody walks alone. And that's how it should be as a church. And we just love you. We love what you're doing. We thank you for it. In your holy name we pray. Can we give God praise again this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Hey, listen, if you're, if you're joining us online and you made a decision today, just feel free to shoot us a message. It can be private. We just want to know because, again, we believe that nobody walks alone. I love you guys. You guys have a great week.